What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. My microphone is sitting on two damn brown books, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, I'm honored. This is the first time I've ever come up with my own nickname. I know. You did a really good job. I, I appreciate that. You know, we're all about... I've, I've noticed on other podcasts, like, I listen to, like, three different sports podcasts throughout the day today, and every single one of them started out talking about the weather. Mainly, like, Atlanta weather, how hot it was in D.C., boring stuff. Very boring, particularly when you're in the dog days of summer and it's 95 degrees every day. Well, there you go. Graham, we just talked about the weather by you doing that. Oh, am I, am I falling into the, the trap? Correct. But why the hell are you bringing it up then? Because what we always do every week is talk about our tech issues. Sure. So I put, I put the, Dan, the mic on the Dan Brown book to make our sound quality a little better, hopefully. And what last, makes you think the sound quality will be better if you put it on the Dan Brown book? Closer to my mouth. Oh. We'll see if there's any audio peaking. If there is, it's Adam's fault. We're, we're still amateurs, Grant. Right, we don't know what the hell But I feel like we start half of our shows talking about how terrible it was getting this set up to record again, even though we've been doing it for three and a half years now. Actually, we've been doing it for over four years now, Adam. Good Lord. You can believe it. That's pretty wild. Yeah. But, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm glad we got through another fiasco of you trying to get the aggregate device to work. Tell you, man, GarageBand's a bitch. She is not kind. She's really been beating your ass recently. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Buttons disappearing, peaking audio. The poor old little MacBook Pro can't handle it anymore for some reason, so... Well, based off your quote from last week, which I believe was, there should be no loyalty in anything. I believe that was the quote, Graham. Something like that. Yeah. When you were uh, <laughs> talking about how you would uh, drop players if they underperformed for a couple of weeks. Not if you drop, were a manager. but uh, you know, like with Will Smith, I would demote him. Sure. Yeah, I know. I'm happy that Will Smith is the first athlete that we mentioned <laughs> on this show. That, that's fantastic. You uh, love it. But I'm surprised you haven't dropped GarageBand. Try something else out. Well, I tried Audacity out. I think their interface sucks, so I didn't want to use that. GarageBand comes with my damn MacBook. It's the best thing you can get for free. So mm, that's we, fair. We start pulling on those big podcast bucks in September. Maybe then maybe we can look at uh, put maybe up an a upgrade. Little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, Graham. So what do you want to talk about today? There's not a lot going on, Adam. Pretty boring in the Atlanta sports world right now. Is it? No, it is not. Too much going on. There's a lot going on. We had a big series against the Yankees. Unfortunately, the Braves were swept two games to none. But before we get into that, let's talk about the nine-game road trip against a bunch of shitty teams where the Braves took care of business. And it turned Adam on so much, they took his shirt off just now. Yeah, that, that was an awesome road trip. Are, are you one of these Twitter... Braves people that discounts a 9-0 road trip because they were against bad teams? No, and, uh, you know, the thing is is that you expected to finish that road trip 6-3, and 7-2, and two, something like that. Six, You know, 6-3 and three at a minimum. You want you, you don't want to have, like, a 5-4 and four road trip with uh, facing Miami, Washington, and Baltimore. However, um, you know, it's really hard to win series in baseball – and to do it at a consistent level, particularly with nine games on the road, even against subpar teams. The Braves found a way to win every night, regardless of who their opponent was. And for the most part, they handled, you know, they took care of business. They were in control of damn near every single one of those games. They did have a lot of scares, for sure, thanks to our friend Will Smith and a couple other people. But for the most part, 
They did a really good job. They took care of business, and it was outstanding that they won nine games in a row. If you're upset about that, you can pick apart little things here and there, but if you're upset that they won nine games in a row against shitty teams, and you're just like, oh, they're just bad teams, of course they should win. Plenty of good teams go on road trips and don't win every freaking game. So to me, if you're trying to cast a doubt on that or cast any aspersion on that after winning nine games in a row, regardless of the quality of the team, then you're a loser. Yeah, and just like, what are you doing? That's that's not fun. Like, you could be the Orioles right now in a 19-game losing streak. Yeah, like 45 games under 500. And you're somebody complaining about your now first-place Atlanta Braves winning every game? That That I don't get. Yeah. I mean, like I said... There's criticism that can be levied against some players or the team or whatever. But at the end of the day, they are winning. And they are doing so, I wouldn't even say in decisive fashion, but they are, in, they, like I said, they were in control of the majority of those games and they won, they won them all. The so. game I want to bring up from that road trip was the third game against the Marlins. Mm. Where on the podcast last week, if you'll recall, I discussed my, <laughs> oh, yeah. my dream. I think, I think in my dream we were... Up twelve nothing, twelve nothing, and in real life we were up eleven to two, right? Going into the ninth, and we had freaking Alex Jackson. Keep in mind he plays for the Marlins now. Alex Jackson at bat with the chance to win the game in that same half inning. What a disaster! Yeah, and he almost there were a couple pitches where he almost went deep too. Like he had some really hard hit foul balls. It was uh, it was a little scary. Yeah, so the Marlins put up six in that ninth inning, six runs. Obviously, Will Smith was involved in this, and I'm, I don't want to get into it too deep. But Josh Tomlin was the reason that Will Smith had to be in sure. that game at all. Sure, And he's just throwing batting practice up there, Graham. He's still, I would say, a valuable person to have just to soak up innings. Point to it. But <laughs> if you can't bring him in an 11-2 game to no, close it out. that's bad. Like, to have to bring your closer in. I agree. That's in that bad. situation, that's atrocious. Well, find, find someone else then that can be your sponge. Two-thirds of an inning, five hits, five runs, uh, no walks at least, no Ks. Like, it was... You, you know, you, look at you turning against your boy Tomlin. Is there no no loyalty for Adam Kalal to his, to his friend Josh Tomlin? I've been loyal to him all year, but eventually it's like... I've seen enough. Mm, you've you know? seen enough from Josh Tomlin. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. The eyeball test, he's not passing it anymore. Ooh. He's just throwing batting practice up there. Graham. hilarious. I mean, I won't, I won't disagree. With I you. feel like I've, I've been pushing for Josh Tomlin to not have a spot for a while. I mean, things are. this is the week things are going to get interesting because Ian Anderson is, has wrapped up his rehab in Gwinnett, and he's set to return to face the first-place Giants on Sunday. Mm. So a move is happening on Sunday. I don't know what that move is going to be, but you know, are they going to push someone out of the rotation? Is someone like a Josh Tomlin going to get sent down? I don't know. But by next week at this time, we will know, at least for what they did for that one game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Anderson slots in. I've, I've liked what I've seen from Huascar since he's returned. I know he got touched up a little bit in that start against the Yankees, but the Yankees have a good lineup and – you know, it wasn't like it was a terrible start or anything. No, I thought – I mean, he looked – he's just got dominant stuff, man. Like, yeah. He had that one bad half inning, really, and he yeah. was – he was – I mean, he looks great. He looks like a guy, especially a situation like that. That felt like a playoff atmosphere, those two games, Monday and Tuesday, mm-hmm. at Truist Park. And 
he's a guy that wants a ball in that situation. You could see handing him the ball game three of the playoffs, you know? He always seems to rise to the occasion and want the ball in a big game like that. Like we talked about last week, impressed with the off-speed stuff. He did hang a couple of off-speed pitches that got smacked by uh, our, our good old friend, Giancarlo Stanton. But other than that, I mean, looked pretty good. And um, he's definitely a guy that's making a play for that third spot in a in a playoff rotation well that home run he gave up to stanton like that was a good pitch yeah it wasn't like bad. stanton's just a yeah. freak there was that other pitch though that was the other other hit that stanton had in that game he kind of hung that one but i mean you're not gonna not every pitch is gonna be perfect he wasn't consistently throwing meatballs or anything like that and going up against a lineup like the yankees you know that they're gonna get hit some home runs it's all about like sure. li- limiting the damage which he did for the most mm-hmm. part and um god those guys i that Monday game, I was amazed by how athletic those big outfielders they have are. Oh, yeah. Those guys that look Stanton, like Judge. defensive ends out there. Yeah. Because Gallo made an awesome play along with uh, Judge's play. You see those guys, and it's like, oh, they got to be terrible defensively, but it's not the case at all. No. It's a pretty solid defensive outfield for sure. And, you know, I think it was also a little different playing the Yankees after playing – you know, so many bad... I mean, the Yankees were as hot as the Braves coming in. They had won like 16 and 19. I think we had won like 16 of 18 or something like that. It was the first time in Major League history, two teams on a... Not, well, not the first time. The third time in Major League history, first time since like the 1920s, the two teams played a game on nine-game winning streaks. Yeah, two hottest teams in baseball. Um, the first game sort of got a hand a little later, but the last game, the game last night, at least in terms of when we're recording, we're recording this on the Wednesday from a Tuesday game, um was a fantastic game. Two good teams going to, going toe to toe, big plays, controversial plays, good performances. Um, that last inning, even though we lost, I was incredibly proud of how the Braves battled. You know, Ozzy running out that 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 hit in the infield, Solaire with that amazing at bat to load the bases on that walk, and that was inc- that was an incredible at bat against Chapman. Um, I loved I loved I loved the spirit that this team possesses, even though Freddie came up a little short with that hit to the outfield. Um, there's nothing to hang your head about in that game. I know there's a whole controversy about the base running. We can get into that. That didn't decide the game to me. It was a, it was a big, it was a big event, of course, when Freddie got thrown out the plate, but you had, we had plenty of opportunities to get back into the game. And we, we almost, we almost won the damn thing in the ninth inning. So you sound like Jeff Schultz over there. Did he write an article or something? Jeff Schultz uh, drove Braves Twitter crazy today when, he was like, yeah, I couldn't really tell if he was out or safe, but either way, this play didn't decide the game. But it would have been a tie ball game. Yeah, it didn't decide us, so, but there were still other opportunities. We had a lot of opportunities, yeah. but like this instant replay thing is just ridiculous. Grant. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm surprised you're not more worked up about this. I like, mean, it sucks, but I was also mad at Freddie for going. He literally ran from first on a hit and run and, and still scored. I mean, I don't care what the fucking umpire said. He was safe. I still don't think it was a great idea to try to score in that scenario. I mean, they have they had to have a perfect play. They did in order to get but, that close. But Freddie's ass is slow and as he hell. Was, Freddie's not as slow as people make him out to be. He's a good base runner. I'm not saying he's a terrible base runner. I'm just saying you think it's tough for Freddie Freeman to score from first to home, even though he was going on a hit and run when it's a ball just hit to center field and it's not like you know at the wall or, or, or whatever in the gap. So you're upset at Freddie for being aggressive on the bases versus the umpire for making the wrong call when he was safe? I just don't think it was the right move. 
I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have sent him in that scenario, especially with Dansby coming up with guys on first and third. I think that sets you up pretty nicely to do some damage. Maybe. I mean, it wasn't like the worst play in the world. The the, the worst base running blunder was once again Austin Riley trying to go to second on that other play um, later in the game. That was that was horseshit. Yeah, that that was really frustrating. Yeah, uh, I but, was I was very upset with that one. So I give the Braves a lot of shit for this, Adam, for you know base running blunders. Sometimes deservingly so, maybe sometimes I overreact. I don't really overreact a lot of stuff. Oh, okay. Um, but I looked at it. I looked at the amount of times this year that the Braves have gotten a player thrown out on a play like that. So it's not like a force out. It's not like you're running to first base on a ground ball. It's like you know on an outfield assist or something like that. So you're about to bring facts to an argument. I, I most of the time do bring facts to an argument. You just don't listen to them. Um, well, that seems like an unnecessary cheap shot. Well, it's not a cheap shot, Adam. I'm just saying. I bring up things sometimes, and you just like to play your loyalty card. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear, let's hear uh, but, facts. But here's Mr. the fact for you. Mr. Statman. The Braves this year, before that game last night, had only had 30 outs on base running scenarios. So outfield assists, getting thrown out at the plate, getting thrown out third or second, things like that. Okay. The worst team, I believe, was the Yankees at 49, and the league average is 34. So the Braves are above average in base running decisions if you're going to judge that on if a guy's being thrown out at a base. Um, so proving that they are not necessarily a terrible base running team or anything like that, even though maybe sometimes they make a boneheaded decision, but who doesn't? So I just want to clear the air a little bit on this thing I brought up before. I'm like, we're the worst fundamental baseball team in the world, blah, blah, blah. Maybe not so. That's very healthy of you, Graham. Yeah. So I was like, let me fact check myself. Because like, there's got to be a fucking stat for this. Well, and there is. That's. I guess that's a good stat for it. You could also look at it as, oh, maybe we need to be more aggressive. Could. But I think we're pretty damn it. Like, Wash sends people, like, all the time. And really, you know, times when it feels like I don't really necessarily need to see a guy trying to score. Like, when Freddie was scoring, even though, yes, it took a perfect relay, I was still like... I don't know because Judge has a good arm. Yes, it took a perfect relay, but that's still a big moment. You have guys at first and third. You just scored a run. Dansby's coming up. Well, I think the the other side of the argument, in terms of being aggressive on the base paths, is how many scenarios have we had where we've had runner on first and second, nobody out, and we don't get any big hits to get the run in. Right, but that's so that, that's that, a, that's why you have to push the envelope sometimes. That's fair. Like if you have an opportunity to score a run, you know maybe he had like a. 15% chance of getting them out of the plate, you know? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they have some sort of, you know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if Ron Washington's crunching those Sabren metrics over there, but I'm sure someone's preaching it to I, him. I would just say if you got Dansby coming up, who's the hottest hitter on your team, let him have a chance to, to, to do it, man. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's why the Austin Riley base running blunder was brutal. Oh, that sucked. Well. That sucked. Um, but, you know, Chris Martin also gave up another home run. Yeah. And it, it makes you really – I want to ask you, going into – like, we're, we're assuming, even if maybe we shouldn't, that we're going to make the playoffs, we're going to win the division. We're knocking on wood. Yeah, you're knocking on wood. Okay, let's say, let's say that happens. Who are your go-to guys out of the bullpen right now? Um, obviously, Matzik, hmm. Rodriguez. Jackson. I'm still going with Chris Martin. I thought his stuff looked pretty good last night. Yeah, I think it was just 
who who hit the home run? It was it was, a, it was one of those monsters. No, he, he gave up the one to the old Rangers second baseman. Oh, uh, Odor. Odor. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it's gonna be Will Smith, Puff. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Rodriguez. I mean, you feel really good with those four setting up Will Smith. <laughs> Chris Martin, even though his stuff looks better, it's still he's still just kind of had a, a very up and down year. He's scared. The only people I really trust right now, believe it or not, Minter. I'm starting to he's gained my trust a little bit more. He's starting to look better the more he's uh, he's pitched since he's been back in the in the big leagues. We Minter, Matzik, Rodriguez, Jackson. Those are the only four where I can go out confidently and say I trust you. Right now. Yeah, I need to see Minter in some high leverage situations again. Yeah. I think he's working his way towards Before that. I go though. that far, he looked pretty good um, in this Yankees series. I was I was happy with the way he was going out there. There's a lot. Of, there's no more nibbling. He doesn't look fatigued. Yeah, his stuff looks sharp. The only other thing I'll say about the bullpen is that Snitker said in that after that Sunday game against the Orioles with another Will Smith heart attack special uh, that he was not going to take Will Smith out of the closer's role and says his conversion rate is better than these so-called elite guys, quote-unquote. Um, and the only way, so to that I say, you know, the only way, and this is another reason why I want Will Smith, unfortunately, to fail, is because the only way he's going to be removed is if he blows saves. Snecker doesn't care if he's letting two guys on base every time he goes out there. He doesn't care that he has a 5-6 five, five, ERA. He doesn't care that he's allowed nine hits and nine walks in the month of August. Five five six ERA in August. Yeah, that ain't great. He has he has not had a clean inning since uh, August seventeenth against the Marlins. I was holding my breath last night, worried that he was going to give up some runs in that ninth inning and make the lead insurmountable. But he didn't. Yeah. Uh, but would you take him or Araldis Chapman right now? Because Chapman looked was struggling a little bit. Yankee, last night. Yankees fans are having this exact same argument about Chapman. They yeah. hate him. Yeah, they wanted to leave him in Atlanta. And I don't know who I'd take because I haven't watched Chapman enough this year, but I know he has struggled. Um, I think we would have won if the Yankees uh, uh, manager, Boone, had, had left him in. Oh, yeah, you had to get him out of there. Yeah, I thought it was a smart move on, on his end. Um, but, yeah, it's just frustrating because, like, there are times, like when we watched the Orioles game on Saturday night, you know, Will Smith looked terrible. Every pitch was just hanging there. There was no movement on anything. It, it was awful because of that home run immediately to Santander – and then he had three kind of like minor leaguers coming up, and he just got away with it because they weren't very good. In this appearance against the Yankees, though, last night, even though he walked two guys, like when he brings that hook in on the inside corner to right-handed batters, yeah. it's absolutely devastating. He actually looked pretty nasty. Yeah, it's night. absolutely devastating. So, I mean, he still has good stuff. I still just can't trust him with the way he's been throwing over the last month and a half. I just can't do it. But it doesn't matter what I think or what you think or what anybody thinks. As long as he keeps converting save opportunities, he will continue to retain that job. Even though he's blown two saves this month, he still has only blown four saves overall in the year. And I have my show notes here that intern Jared prepares for us every week. And on it, it actually says, Will Smith, comma, great, exclamation point. So... You can't, you can't dispute that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's on the paper, Graham, so I guess he's great. I don't I guess, know. Man. I guess so. Um, but speaking of snit. Yeah. Um, I saw Bobby Cox trending on Twitter today, 
And, you know, you see that, you get a little concerned. Right. With Bobby and his health issues, but everything's fine with Bobby. But what, what it came down to was people were pissed at Snit for not getting tossed or coming out and arguing for uh, Freddie Freeman on the replay decision mm. or even for the, the jock. I was about to ask you about the jock. Out. That, that was a weird one as what, well. What, what were your thoughts on the Peterson uh, scenario? He either got hit or was a foul ball. Yeah. You, so, like, what the hell? Because I feel like it definitely made contact with either his hand or the bat, also his chest and whatever else. Yeah, like it could be a foul ball, in which case he's still batting, or he's on. I understand if you get hit and come around, it's a strike. Right. But is, is, is if it, it hits your hand, though, your hand is part of the damn bat, um, from my understanding. Even I'll, though I know. I'm kind of talking myself out of it now. So, yeah. like, if I get hit by a ball in the chest but i swing is that strike three yes oh okay maybe maybe it is strike but three. i thought it hit his bat it was close it looked like it hit his bat and so it was very confusing to me why that was strike three because it looked like it hit his bat it looked like it hit his hand too i know it's he the, didn't react like his hands got hit though you know like no he didn't but to me it was like i don't know what the rules are in the hands i've seen people get hit on the hand and umpires you know if they haven't swung they're like that's a dead ball and i've seen People swing. Well, you're you're the damn little league umpire, circa 2000. What was that 2012? Yeah, it's you like know so, these things. So right? it's like if you're hit on your wrist or even your hand, the call and you don't swing, the call is almost always dead ball. But if you do swing, if you do swing, then that's um, you know if it hits your hand. In my mind, even though I don't know what the rules are, in my mind. <laughs> And this never happened to me, so I never was put on the spot. I was told, and I can't remember who told me this, but if you swing and it hits your hand, that's part of the bat. If you don't swing, that's, base, that's a, that's a hit, hit, hit batter. But if you swing and like it hits you in your chest, then that's a strike. So those are the rules as, in terms of how I understand it. But it looked like it hit his damn bat to me. So I was like, what, why the hell is this strike three? Yeah, but it, it was also like the umpire was like, following Jock down the line, you know, just kind of like goading him mm-hmm. to like the point that he got tossed. Like Jock was walking away and the umpire's freaking following him up the line. Yeah. You know, like what what the hell kind of shit is that? Yeah. I mean, Jock was kind of showing his ass a little bit um, for sure, but I'm not really upset that Snicker didn't get tossed at either one of those things. I mean, you like to see it because, you know, the fan in you remembers Bobby always getting tossed for even the most, you know, not controversial out sometimes. He would do that. I mean, he even said this. He's like, one of the reasons I got tossed so much is to fire up the team. Yeah. And maybe Snitker doesn't subscribe to that same mindset. And right. that's fine. I mean, I don't think it's a lack of, like, we know that Snitker loves his players. We know he'll defend his players. I mean, he went out there and talked to the umpires. It's not like, you know, he, did, he just didn't make an ass of himself and he get tossed. I don't really, I think it's a non-issue personally. I, I guess also in this, like the Freddy scenario, it, it's not even the umpires on the field that he'd be arguing with. It's who, who's ever in the replay box that's essentially just defending the umpire on the field. Yeah. And we, we've mentioned this on the show before with the replay. A lot of people are talking this now. Charlie Morton brought it up in his post-game interview. Why does the person in the replay box know what the call on the field yeah. is? Yeah, and that's, that's 100%. Like, it should be someone, you know, he's not watching any of the games, doesn't know what's going on. It's like, oh, we got this play for you to review right now. Yeah, the, t- the only part about that that you can poke holes in is if he's looking at multiple replays he's going to see the umpire's call 
You know what I mean? Like, unless they're camera angles that do not display. Right. The, I mean, the, 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 the Freddy one that did not, the, umpire, the umpire's generally behind the play at any yeah. call. So if you can figure out a way so that cameras are set up, and they could do this, um, where the umpire's not in view, or they could maybe try to figure that out or, or block them off or something. I mean, I think in theory that's a great idea to not know the call. It's just going to be hard with the way things are shot now. Well, to not see, to not see the umpire. That's the other crazy thing is how do we not have all the angles? Like we should. It's twenty twenty one. Yeah. You know, don't tell me the money's not there to get three D cameras on or whatever. Yeah. Like the, the at home plate seems to be the biggest deal. Yeah. There should be a million cameras on home plate. You know what they should do? Just have an overhead camera suspended from the backstop net looking down pointing down winds down over home plate and then you know just keep that running just keep that running the whole fucking time yeah because no matter what happened what what action at the plate if you have a bird's eye view looking down you should be able to tell what's going on and then get some other you know angles too that can complement that get three or four or five different angles we're not going to see anything but the action at the plate, and hopefully the umpire doesn't block anything. Um, yeah, it, it's certainly a do it or don't situation. There's a way to figure it out. Yeah, seriously. Like, there's no reason that every single fan should just be able to look at the one replay in the stadium and see he's safe. Yeah, you watch it on TV, but I knew as soon as I saw that replay, I was like, he's definitely safe, but. They're not going to overturn it. Right. And that's the biggest problem with the replay in the NFL and um, MLB is that there has to be incontrovertible evidence that, you know, the call on the field was wrong. That's the first rule. It can't be view the play objectively. It has to be the call on the field always has a better chance of, of being sustained than being overturned because that's rule number one about the fucking replay. Baseball definitely does it a lot worse than football. Right oh, now. for sure. Yeah. No doubt. I'm just saying, I don't like that. That's the first I mean, rule either these, way. These plays at the plate are just brutal. Yeah. Alex Baum. Yeah. Going I mean, back to that damn Philly series. That's two huge losses and, yeah. and we're not going to forget it. And you know, to be fair for this game, I mean, the umpire would like, I mean, some of the balls and strikes were just horrendous, but also Ozzy did not foul that ball. That would have been strike no, three. No, he did not. Not even close. No. So, like, the only reason we even had a chance that we made it 5-4 was because the ump just completely blew it, and that's a non-reviewable play there. Right. So, right. you know, I mean, I think that was a little makeup for the other two calls that he had in the game. But, woof. That, that, I don't know who that guy is, but we better not see him in a playoff game. Yeah. I, I will say the call at the plate, that was tough. That was a bang-bang play. For him, yeah, for him. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But for baseball, I mean, he was clearly safe. Yes. No would, one's going to yeah. sit here and tell me today that he did not get in. No, there. and there's never any backlash or anything or any contra- – I mean, there, there's backlash and controversy amongst fans, amongst, amongst organizations. But for baseball itself, you're in the umpire's union, and whatever role you're in, you got a job for life. It's like uh, it's like being in the, in the in the baseball players union. You could suck at your job, but you're getting your damn contract. You ain't getting fired. You know, if you get fired, just to get paid. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You got to feel good that we at least showed we can hang with the Yankees. You know, um, and you know, if a couple things go our way, we at least split that series. Could have won it, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. But you get a little concerned now 
with the Giants coming into town. I hope that we can crank it back up. And um, I think they're faltering a little bit. It's N- not really. I know. I, I looked at Kevin Gossman's numbers. He's at least not as ridiculously good as he was early in the year. Mm. So that, that that just makes me feel good as a Braves fan. Yeah, I think uh, so. It's three against the Giants and Dodgers. So and now now's where we're back to like let's just play 500 ball. Yeah. On this now stretch. you get 500. You're feeling pretty. We, good. we did our nine and zero thing that kind of set us up to be able to not have to like win every series, but. Yeah. Right, but you you want to split, I'm not especially sure. especially when you're playing playoff caliber teams that you are not only playoff caliber like both those teams are going to the playoffs. So you're playing playoff teams, you're playing teams that you could see in October. Now's as good a time as any for for a measuring stick to see where you you match up against these guys heading into uh, postseason play. Um, so these these this stretch is one of the big biggest stretches of the year, and not only that, I mean I know we're we're saying that or I'm saying that we pretty much have the division on lockdown at this point. But it's still not uh, inconceivable to think the Phillies can get going again, um, even though science and data would tell you they can't, uh, considering how shitty they play. They got swept by the Diamondbacks last week, worst team in the National League. They're still only four and a half games back, though. As well as we've done in terms of building ourselves a nice little cushion, it's still a cushion that could be ripped out from under us um, sooner than we can realize. So we need to split against these two teams for sure if not hell it'd be great if we could win we could win both the series but just realistically hoping for a split and i'm happy looking at these pitching matchups friday we got freed versus gossman good i want gossman so that that's good news yeah and we get two days off which i think the team probably needs after going it, on that big road trip it's good for the teams but brutal for the fans like you can't like that was the most high-stress game of the year, and now we just got to sit here on a Wednesday and Thursday and like wait nothing. till Friday. Yeah, I mean, it's like not great brutal. for fans, but I mean, I'm, I'm feel, I feel thankful as a fan for the team because I feel like they need some time off. I think Ozzy needs a break. Ozzy had a really brutal week last week. He got it going in this Yankees series, but he, he didn't look good um, on the road against the Marlins or the Orioles. He was swinging at pitchers in the dirt. His plate discipline was all over the place. Ozzy needs a break. Will Smith needs a break, regardless of whether you want him to close or not. Um, everybody needs a little time. You know, Austin Riley's playing every day. Freddie Freeman's playing every every day. Dansby's playing every day. Pretty much the whole lineup's playing every day, outside of Heredia and Peterson platooning. So every, everybody needs some time just to chill for a little bit. I think I think this is coming at a perfect time, particularly when you're playing two of uh, the best teams in the National League. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, God, these Dodgers. They got um, Monday. It's Tukey versus Walker Bueller. Tuesday we got Yanoa versus Scherzer. Like oof. them having Scherzer. Although we we hit Scherzer. We hit Scherzer okay. well, but still you still respect. I'll take Scherzer, Scherzer over Bauer. So yeah, I guess that's a decent substitution. For well, us. Bauer's Bauer's still still out. Oh, Bauer's not going to play. Yeah, he's not playing for, right until whenever Ozuna does again, probably. Right. So that's a whole mess. Yep. But either way, I think this, this is going to be some really exciting baseball uh, against the the Dodgers and Giants, former division rivals. From the 90s. Sure. Yeah. Very relevant, Junior. Very relevant. Good point. Um, I want to talk a little bit, Adam, about one player in particular. I'm going to throw some stats at you and see if you can tell me who this is. All right. So, in the last 22 games, he has a slash line of 250, 384, 475, OPS of 859. Pretty solid. Five homers. 18 walks. Who is this man? Actually, first, before you say who is this man, one, do you think that's pretty good? 
pretty pretty solid uh, stat line. Pretty solid, Graham. Pretty solid. Um, who do you think that is? Solaire. Because I remember you saying on Saturday, unless my memory is, is is hazy, that it's like I don't see what the big deal about Solaire is, Paul. That stat line was going back how far? His entire tenure with the Braves. Okay. Um, yeah, I just feel like I, I've changed my stance on him a little bit. Like, I mean, like you said, that at bat against the Yankees was unbelievable. He puts some really patient at bats together. Um, but I feel like he he started off really hot and kind of just tapered off for a bit. But he's he's gotten it going again. I like Solaire. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he's should be our number two hitter. I think he could be a little further down in the lineup, personally. But if he's getting on on a at a clip like that, then yeah, three or four is pretty damn good. I guess that checks out. Yeah, because he is patient. Yeah, so I I kind of want to keep him there, just because he's drawing so many damn walks. I mean, the crazy part is in ninety four games with the Orioles, or excuse me, the crazy part is ninety four games with Kansas City this year. You know, he had thirty eight walks, and only twenty two. He has eighteen. And that's exceptional plate discipline. Um, he's also struck out 18 times, which isn't great, but not the end of the world. You're putting together. He, he's kind of like your classic uh, home run strikeout walk guy, but he is walking a shit ton, and that's providing a lot of opportunities for guys like Freddie Riley and Dansby to drive him in. So I'm I'm fully for him staying there, and he's got five bombs. I mean, he had a huge home run against Baltimore last week. Um, I really like I really like this kid. Also, keep in mind, this is the same guy, I believe you called him a loser when we traded for him and said you were very unimpressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, based off of what he had done this year, I was I was not not impressed. He's, he's completely turned around since he come, came here. I knew he was, he, like we mentioned, he, he was picking it up before and, we and, uh And just we being able to actually, like, seeing a guy play, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it goes beyond the stat line a little bit when you can actually see the guy. He just looked so calm in that huge mm-hmm. at-bat last night. Where... Yeah, it was like he was just, um, you know, playing high school ball or something. Yeah. It was like no pressure against Chapman, right? Um, Slinging it in at 100 miles an hour, right? So I, I uh, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. And Dansby continues to be awesome. I mean, I, I you still got to feel good about where we are. I don't think anybody can be upset right now about where where we are, despite losing those two games. No, scary stretch of games coming up though. Like things things can turn as quickly as they turned in our favor, it can turn against us. Sure. So let's just keep playing good ball, which. You know, I just think with our pitching and the state that it's in right now, I feel pretty confident that we're not going to just completely fall off. It's not like we got blown out in these two games against yeah. the Yankees. So. Morton got hit hit around pretty pretty decently, but two, two hanging curveballs. Yeah, I'm not really too concerned about him. I think he's proven over the the course of this season that he's uh, definitely one of our two go to pitchers um, that you can rely on. You know, nine times out of ten, so I'm not worried about him. Yep. I think that pretty much covers our Braves coverage, Adam, unless you have anything else. Well, I already covered Will Smith. Great. Uh, we talked about Wasker, Bobby Cox. Good to go. Word. Well, Adam, let's turn our attention to your Atlanta Falcons. Fresh off another disappointing preseason performance against the Dolphins, in which they were absolutely slaughtered. Do you know the score this time, Graham? I'm not editing this out. <laughs> oh, no. I know I don't. It was like 34 to 10 or something. 34 17. Seven, we, yeah. we scored 17. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I know the Dolphins scored 34. AJ McCarron is gone for the year, Adam. How does that make you feel? 
<laughs> devastated. A non-contact I mean, sat, ACL injury. I'm sad for him. Um, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I do think – I mean, he would have been fine. Like, he's, he's a guy who, if Matt Ryan has to miss one game – maybe have a chance to win a game with A.J. McCarron. Maybe. Like, he's at least – he's played in NFL games. Sure. He's started. And he actually, like, early on he was – in this game against the Dolphins, he was looking a little bit better. Uh, three of six passing, I think, what, like 40-something yards or something. Um, but it's unfortunate for him. And uh, you can't go into this year with Felipe Franks as your backup. No. I don't think if so. you only have two quarterbacks. Right. And I think, you know, no matter who the backup is, if Matt Ryan goes down, I mean, I already feel like we're screwed, but we're completely, we won't win a, like one game this year. Yeah. It, it, it would be very ugly. So we brought in the great Josh Rosen. When I first heard Josh team. Rosen's name, all I could think about was Josh Rosenhouse, the uh, old TO agent. I think he's still an agent in the NFL. Oh. Oh, Dan Rosenhouse. Whatever, somebody. Drew Rosenhouse. Drew Rosenhouse, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was like, I heard Rosen, it made me think of Rosenhouse. Yeah. Um, I was like, why the hell? And I was like, wait a minute, this guy was a. And I started to think, who the hell is this guy? Why is his name so familiar? And he was a quarterback drafted by the Cardinals in 2018. He has not played football uh, since 2019 when he had six appearances with Miami. He is not very good. Uh, his career 12 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. With 2,845 yards in two seasons, he has not played since 2019. But um, Josh Rosen is more interesting than that stat line that Graham just read out. He was he? he was the number 10 overall pick by the Cardinals. But he didn't play last year. Everybody thinks he's trash. Let me talk, Graham. Okay, sorry. <laughs> number 10 overall pick. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a horrible turn of events for Josh Rosen. So... The Cardinals moved on from him um, and drafted, what's his face? The really good quarterback that they have now. Played baseball, Auburn. So good. Kyrie, no. Kyrie Irving. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is that kid's name? He's fantastic. This is sad, 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 sad. Cardinals. Cardinals quarterback. We strictly discuss Atlanta (laughs) Atlanta professional sports. sports. And we only really watch Atlanta professional sports. Hell, we watch the NFL sometimes. We should know this. Ky- I'm telling you, it's Kyrie. It's like Kyle Newhouse. What's Ky- Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyle Newhouse. So they drafted Kyler Murray the very next year. So poor Josh Rosen went to Miami, started a couple games, didn't work out. He's now, this is his like fourth team in five years or something like that. He's so He's still only played for two teams in an actual game. So here's the intriguing part about him. He's 24 years old, and uh, I'm not saying he's going to be good. It's not a good sign if so many teams have moved on from him. But you look at what Arthur Smith did for Ryan Tannehill. I'd rather have a guy who many people saw as the number one quarterback in that draft, you know, that just hasn't worked out for yet. I'd rather have a guy like him. As our backup versus A.J. McCarron, where you know what he is at this point. Josh Rosen, still 24 years old, had all the talent of the world. Maybe Arthur Smith can get something out of him. Or maybe Josh Rosen's just a guy that's coming in for the next week until a more proven veteran gets cut at the end of this week. 
that we actually do bring in to be our backup. Right. We so. may forget about Josh Rosen in the next two weeks. Right. But he'll certainly play. Like, we, we needed to bring someone in to play in the game against uh, Cleveland, our last preseason game on Sunday. So Josh Rosen's going get to his, get his chance to do something. Yeah. But he, he was honestly the best name out of the quarterbacks available. Who else you got? Cam Newton on anybody's team? <laughs> Cam Newton is trying to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots. Still? Yeah. Even after they drafted that swaggy-ass white boy? Yeah, it's a whole thing with Cam Newton. He uh, He's not vaccinated, and he had some confusion over COVID protocols. So he's he was getting tested, like, at his own doctor, so he couldn't, he couldn't play like all week with like the first team offense. Jesus. So the Alabama kid has been starting with the first team offense and has looked amazing. So Cam Newton might have lost his starting gig because well, of that. Well, that's another thing too. The Falcons, Adam, will finish first in something this year. First team fully vaccinated against COVID nineteen in the NFL. Right, right. So that he wouldn't exactly fit in with this. With this. No, uh, no, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah but he, he wouldn't get cut by the Patriots. But I mean, it's just like a bunch of over the hill guys. Mm. Uh, Alex Smith was the like the name that I was most intrigued by. He's 37, coming off that horrendous leg injury. Oh, he's like if he gets hit again, he might die though or something, right? Like he, he, he... I don't. I mean, he. I know he played in like one game last year, yeah. like his big comeback. But you know, Josh Rosen was the best of those names. But who knows who's going to get cut after this week? Um, you remember Ben Kurt, Kurt Ben Kurt? Yeah, the guy who broke his hand last year. Yeah, so he had a huge game this past week um, with the Packers as their third string. And everyone's like, oh, man, it'd be really nice to have, like, a guy who's been in the system and knows the team for multiple years. Yeah, knows the system uh, of a coach who just came in this year. It is a new system. What a, what a bunch of idiots. As I said that. No, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to the idiots on Twitter. It, it was Falcons Twitter. Preseason overreactions. But honestly, Benker would be nice to have around right now. I'm not saying for, versus what we got. It's just I, I hate shit like that. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, people, people do freak out. Yeah. But, you know, I, I find this quarterback battle a little intriguing, though, because, like, I still, like, Felipe Franks had his moments in this game. He looked really good in the first drive after McCarron went down, would have had a touchdown. If it weren't for uh, Tajay Sharp dropping one in the end zone. Were there two drops? Oh, there were a lot zone. of drops. But in the end zone, I think there were two drops. Yeah, yeah. I think the first one might have been Christian Blake. And it, yeah, it, it was wasn't Blake. it wasn't like, you know, the easiest ball in the world to catch. But, like, Sharp was like, you got to make that catch. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. And then, like, just the way that he can extend plays. He's a, intriguing, but I'd rather have him be developing on the practice squad. And, you know, if Josh Rosen's the guy, if – Someone else is the guy. We'll see. But like you said, if if Matt Ryan is out, we're screwed. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. At least the running game looked a little better. Um, Huntley and Javion Hawkins looked good. I think Hawkins just got cut, though. So I guess that doesn't really matter. Yeah, Hawkins was the guy that was kind of intriguing out of Louisville who put up all sorts of school records there. But, yeah, he got cut. Um, yeah, Huntley looks pretty solid. He's an undrafted rookie out of ball state i believe mm -hmm. he had that 30 yard run 30 yard touchdown so it was going to be really tight between the two of them it was kind of surprising hawkins was cut already and not given that third game but you know huntley has more size hawkins has more speed but i don't know he's, he's very small yeah and this this running back core doesn't do much for me at this moment we still haven't seen 
and also the people we're talking about are kind of non-starters because they're battling for a third-string position. It's going to be Corderell Patterson and uh, Mike Davis as your as your starting running backs. However, that shakes out. Did we ever discuss the article that ESPN wrote about Quadri Allison? About how he can't run and had to rediscover. Well, he had to relearn how to run. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I was listening to the writer today talk about it, and it's how like as a college guy who's like as big as physical as Quadri Allison, you don't necessarily need to like know proper technique. You can just lean on your size right. and athleticism. But um, you get to the NFL, and it's not the same thing. So I, I'm I'm intrigued to see. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by this running back core. Like they could be terrible, but like they all have some potential. Yeah, in my eyes, I think what I'm really the most interested in seeing is can Mike Davis carry over what he did last year when Christian McCaffrey was out? Because Mike Davis took over from McCaffrey after he got hurt and played the majority of the season for Carolina. Did a really fine job. But it was the first time he was featured as a running back, and I want to see if he can be the guy still. You know, I don't expect him to get a thousand yards, but it would be nice if he can get like seven eighty with seven or eight touchdowns and two or 300 yards on, uh, through the air. I think he's fully capable of that. And I, 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 that's, that's the thing I'm most intrigued about. I'm also intrigued to see how we use Patterson out of the, out of the backfield. Cause it seems like even though he's known for being a, a good returner, it seems like he's not, he hasn't been out returning at all in training camp um, or in this, this preseason game. So it says to me that he's going to be a sort of change it up back. We can also, catch passes out of the backfield he's gonna be like you're passing down back and stuff like that so i'm interested in those two guys i, mean, I have so many questions about the starters and we just haven't seen them play yet patterson's gonna be the kickoff returner you think so oh 100 yeah yeah well i'm, I'm just interested with that there's a battle for the the punt, punt return so he's yeah. not gonna so he's gonna kick return but he's not gonna punt return. correct okay correct. i thought he was just out of it completely so the battle for the punt returner right now is coming down between Avery Williams, who was the cornerback we drafted this year, mm-hmm. like the fifth or sixth yeah, round. He's a super speedy guy. Yeah, yeah, out of Boise State. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Chris Rowland, who's a second-year player, a wide receiver that we had last year on the team. Not familiar with him. I think he was on the practice squad last year, okay. but he was drafted by the Dan Quinn regime. So everything I'm hearing is it looks like Avery Williams – is more explosive than Roland, and just the fact that he plays his natural position cornerback better than Chris Roland plays wide receiver, and the current regime drafted him. It's looking like it's going to be Avery Williams mm. with um, Patterson doing the most of the kick kickoff returns. Okay, but yeah, Graham, I want to see these starters too. You yeah, know? but I understand. You know, you, you saw a couple big injuries in the NFL this past week to starters like people out for the rest of the season so you understand why they're so hesitant to push it at all oh i get it i get it entirely i mean the last thing i want is matt ryan getting hit in a preseason game when the offensive line is still a big question mark um that's not what i'm looking for no you know matt ryan's been hit enough throughout his career due to shitty offensive line play at the same time i'd like to see what we got for even if it's just two series. I, I, I think we'll get it this week. I think we need something. I think they need something. It's one thing to do it in practice, even though I know they practiced a lot this week with, with the Dolphins, sort of inner, inner squad practices. And it sounds like those went well. Like sounds like those went our well. Our starters against their starters. Well, that's, that's the thing about this preseason game last week is that Miami was playing their starters against our backups in the first half. And like we kind of held our own. It was 14-3. to three. In the first half, and that includes that drop touchdown on Felipe Frank's first drive, which would have made it 14-10. to 10. So 
that I mean, that's just a good sign because all these guys are just like rotational pieces that we're looking at right now. A few starters are playing like Fabian Moreau, who's going to be our starting corner on the other side of Terrell. He played a lot in this game. But I think that's a good sign. And then the 187 rushing yards that we had just shows like the big O-line improvement from week one to week two, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess that's guys getting game experience and just getting coached up as well. So Right. Getting more comfortable with the system too. Right. Yeah. Right. So Th- These are positive signs. Those are positive signs. In, in my eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I expect – they got to play at least a couple series this this this, this Sunday against the Browns. I, I would be shocked if they don't. Um, hell, I'd even take a quarter, although I'd understand if they didn't want to do that. They seem to have been very cautious uh, so far. It would just be nice to see, I think, for everybody to evaluate in-game action to see how we, we stack up, especially against the Browns, who are, you know, a – I don't know if they made the playoffs last year, but they were close. No, they did. Yeah, so it'd be good to see how we look against a team that was a playoff team last year. I'm starting to get into the football state of mind, I'll tell you that much. I'm not. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's just from my um, very low expectations for the Falcons. But I'm definitely in a baseball state of mind. Like, the Hawks, you know, took over the city. And there was that, you know, two-month period where baseball was just kind of like, I mean, I would still watch games, but I wasn't as into it because I was like, I was just thinking about the Hawks all the time in terms of sports. Now I'm very much in a baseball state of mind. Um football i'm looking forward to football because i love football obviously um but i'm not the last three years have been pretty brutal adam I'm not, I'm not i'm not ready to experience uh experience apathy and pain all over again i'm happy we're starting against the eagles i think on paper we have a better team than the eagles i don't know eagles well, are a mess we'll have to break that down We'll break it down further. I'm not prepared to break that down now. But going into this week three preseason game, the battle I'm looking to see at this point, wide receiver. Wide receiver wide receiver depth is something I'm a little concerned about. Maybe because of us having two great receiving tight ends, it's not going to be as big of an issue. But right now we're looking at Ridley, Gage, Zacchaeus as the top three. Zacchaeus is three kind of scares me, man. You know, I heard like from the Miami media during practices last week, Zacchaeus was like tearing people up. So, that's great. I mean, and he's a guy that's been around. So maybe, maybe it, like, you know, players step up, you know, like he's not just this unnamed rookie to us anymore. Yeah. I mean, we know Zacchaeus. He made some good play. He's made some good plays over the last couple of years. Is right. he ready for that third receiver role? I don't know. Is Gage ready for the number two role? I would say so. Probably. Yeah. But, but then we got, so it's looking at like Tajay Sharp. Do you know this guy? Yeah. So I'm not he, impressed really by him. He's an ex-Titan, sixth-year veteran. He's never done anything. Yeah, he's never been a great. Yeah. But like, could he be our number four? Sure. And then it's like between him, <clears throat> Christian Blake, and Frank Darby. I'd rather take a flyer on Darby, rookie. I, I I feel like I've seen enough of Christian Blake. I've never been. It feels like he has. Uh, remember Hankerson, bricks for hands guy. Yeah. Feels like he's the second coming of Hankerson. Dar- Darby finally got a couple targets this last week, called them both in, looked pretty good doing it. Yeah, like, I, I mean, dr- I, And I just yeah. love this kid's attitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got bigger size than Blake. Yeah. I, I, I'm cheering for Darby. Yeah, me too. I think he's the best of those those three. And I think even if he's not, I would I would say he's better than, than Blake, for Christ's sake. Right. Um, Blake and Sharp. Sharp's probably – he's probably going to make it. You think uh, so, just from his experience? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's getting a ton of targets. But between Blake and Darby, I hope Darby pulls it out. Yeah, me too. And, 
yeah, we'll see more about this uh, left guard. We know Josh Andrews is getting a lot of reps for the first team. Um, seems to be the favorite, so we'll see how he holds up. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw, it, it seemed like the offensive line did a better job. I'm still wondering about Matt Hennessy at center, though, because, I mean, he, he still hasn't gotten on the field for, for preseason. So he's another guy I really want to see how his communication is with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's center for the last five years was Alex Mack. So what was it going to be like with, with Hennessy? Can Hennessy fill those shoes? I know Alex Mack de- deteriorated over the last couple of years, but he was still a very solid center. And, you know, when we had our Super Bowl run and the year after that, man was elite. He's one of the best of the best. So it's like those are some big shoes to fill. And I have no idea what to expect from him in the center position. And then I wonder about McGarry and right tackle. Seems like the majority of his competition is not, a, you know, I don't know who else could possibly get this because I think Gono is is, is out. Um, I think the only other guy who's really been getting a lot of action is Willie Beavers, who apparently has not done shit. I haven't really been watching the line. People love fair. Willie Beavers, Graham. Really? Yeah. A lot of people are really into what Willie Beavers is. Well, been from showing. what I've heard about Beavers, according to the Falcoholic, is that he's kind of splitting time at right tackle and left tackle. Um, so it might be a swing tackle who comes in for specific packages. Um, but if it comes down to McGarry being the starter, you know, with his health issues with his heart, um, it's a big question mark there. Is he going to be durable enough to survive an entire season in the NFL with his pre-existing health conditions? I have no idea. I think we've seen flashes of his ability to be a stout offensive lineman. We just haven't seen it consistently enough. So the offensive line is just full of a lot of question marks right now. But but I, I feel like, and maybe this is me jumping into preseason a little too much, but it's like we have, there is definitely a lot more depth and competition there than we've seen in the past. Because talking about Andrews, Beavers, Drew Dahlman, Hennessy, Jalen Mayfield, uh, a lot of people have been high on this kid, Ryan Nutzel from App State. He's a rookie. I don't know, man. I, I feel like the competition is a good thing. I, I think we could be a little bit surprised by this line. I'm not getting my hopes up. We don't have those loser eight-year veterans that we know suck. That's true. That's you know? true. I was just about to say at least, and I was going to actually comment on that, like the reason there hasn't been a lot of competition is because you've locked these overpriced veterans into these starting positions. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't a lot of competition in those camps. And then they sucked, and sometimes they were damn healthy scratches. So, yeah, it is good that there's some competition. I just worry about Matt Ryan um, having time to throw in the pocket, and then when he doesn't, everyone's going to blame him and say he's the biggest piece of shit in the world. Hopefully there's a damn reason to turn on the TV on Sunday, other than just morbid curiosity. Hopefully we can actually see some starters get out there and, and see how we stack up. I just want to see Kyle Pitts. One series. Yeah, dude. One series. It would be nice. Let us see this unicorn. The, the mythic beast. Or, I mean, we could wait a couple more weeks, I suppose. I mean, it is good that, like, Smith doesn't feel like he needs to play. Like, yeah. He's ready. Right, yeah, and that's that's fine. It's You know, he's still a guy that I like to see. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just I'm a broken record. I just feel like you got to get some game experience for these guys, man. Especially for people that haven't played or have very little experience. Even if... Kyle Pitts is supposed to be the greatest tight end of all time on paper. Let's get him a little experience before the real game starts against the Eagles. Just a couple series. That's it. That's all I'm asking for. Just two. Just yeah. two. We'll be content. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that covers our Falcons coverage. I got nothing for the Hawks or United unless you got something. I have one more thing on the Falcons. One more thing on the Falcons. This is something that a stat I put together, Graham. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't just pull this from online? You nope. put this together? Pulled so, this all on my own. Unbelievable. For anyone who's freaking out about preseason and how many points the offense has put up, the Atlanta Falcons offense right now has scored more points in the preseason than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Which goes to show you how insignificant preseason stats are. It doesn't matter. Okay. That's a damn good stat. That's a mic drop stat right there. Thanks, Ram. Very I good. appreciate that. I'm proud of you. Actually, it might be the best damn stat in the history of this show. <laughs> <laughs> First one we've ever researched. Right. Although, no, your, your uh, base running stat was good. Sure. I was impressed by that. And, uh, damn. Well, cool. You got anything for United or, or the Hawks? United keep winning. We know that. A couple more wins. So Sure. That's all I got on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing on the Hawks this week. Weird. Nothing on the Hawks. No big signings, no summer league stuff. All that's kind of quieted down. I think we still have room to sign somebody. One more, one more veteran. I know Mills, I think Millsap's still out there. Hopefully that can still happen. But, you know, I think it'll be pretty quiet uh, until we start to get um, into exhibition games and then into the regular season. Sure. Which is also coming up. Yep. Exciting times, Graham. Indeed. Well, Adam, that wraps up this week of Atlanta Zone. We want to thank you guys for listening. We will holler at you all next week. Hope you're well out there. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.